It is a joy to worship with you in person and online during this holy season of Eastertide, which is the several weeks following Easter Sunday until we get to Pentecost. We're in a three-part sermon series called The Day That Changed Everything. We're looking at different things that happened on the first Easter Sunday. Today I want to draw your attention to a fascinating, remarkable story found in Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 35. I will be reading from the New Revised Standard Version, and the title of my sermon is Lessons on the Road. Now, on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? He asked them, What things? They replied, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it is almost evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, the Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road 
and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. Let us pray. Lord God, in this preaching moment, I simply ask that you would help me to speak your word, help them to hear your word, and Lord, help us all to do your word. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. It is the day of the resurrection, the afternoon of the first Easter. Two disciples are walking the road from Jerusalem to Emmaus when the resurrected Jesus joins them on their journey. However, we read, their eyes were kept from recognizing him. This is the pivotal issue in the story, the hinge on which the entire text tilts, the ignorance of the two disciples. They walk with the risen Jesus, yet they do not know it's him. Jesus asks what they are talking about as they walk along, and because Cleopas thinks he's a stranger, uh, someone who's not from around there, he ironically informs Jesus about Jesus' own prophetic ministry and his crucifixion and the news from the women that he had risen from the grave. But Cleopas and the other disciple remain sad because they do not yet understand how the suffering Jesus could be the Christ the King, the Messiah, the Savior. In response, Jesus rebukes them for their unbelief and misunderstanding. And then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interprets to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. Because of their unbelief and misunderstanding, Jesus gives the most amazing lecture on the Old Testament in history. Luke punctuates the comprehensive nature of this lesson, beginning with Moses and all the prophets. He interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. The lesson must have gone on for hours. You want to talk about higher education? <laughs> you want to talk about a master professor? The master himself gave them a divine lecture. Or should I say divinity himself gave them a master lecture. Either way, these two disciples got educated like no others in history. Can you imagine how marvelous it would be to have Jesus Christ personally explain the Bible to you? No wonder their hearts were burning in their chests. Luke does not say what scriptures exactly Jesus emphasized, but maybe he explained his birth with Isaiah 7. 
The Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the virgin is with child and shall bear a son and shall name him Emmanuel. Maybe he explained his teaching ministry with Psalm 78. I will open my mouth with a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old. Maybe he explained his miracles with Isaiah 35. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame will leap like a deer. Maybe he explained the crucifixion with Psalm 22. All who see me mock at me. They divide my clothing and for my clothing they cast lots. Maybe he showed them that the Messiah had to suffer by citing Isaiah 53. He was despised and rejected by others, a man of suffering and acquainted with grief. He was wounded for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the punishment that made us whole, and by his wounds we are healed. Maybe he explained the resurrection with Hosea 6. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up. Or maybe he explained the resurrection with Psalm 16. You will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor allow your faithful one to see decay. Whatever scriptures Jesus highlighted, This was the most remarkable Sunday school lesson ever taught. The disciples got a Bible study like no other as the Lord himself taught them the meaning of Holy Scripture. One lesson on the road to Emmaus is to learn what Scripture says about Christ and to let Scripture burn in our hearts. Notice, however, that they still didn't recognize him. The word made flesh had showed them how to interpret the written word of God, and they still didn't know who he was. (laughs) The fulfiller of the Old Testament had interpreted the Old Testament for them, and they still didn't understand who he was. The risen Son of God had taught them a comprehensive Bible class with a student-teacher ratio of two to one and a curriculum custom-fitted to their personal needs, and they still didn't recognize Him. It is clearly important to know the Scriptures, especially what they say about Christ If this were not the case, Jesus would not have spent so much time thoroughly teaching the scriptures. Yet, it's clearly not enough merely to know the scriptures. For the disciples still did not know who Jesus was. In verse 28, we reach the climax of suspense in the story. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on. 
Would the disciples bid the stranger farewell and never recognize the risen Christ? Even after a divine education, would they remain in ignorance? No, for as he began to walk away, the disciples urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it is almost evening, and the day is now nearly over. And he went in to stay with them, to abide with them. The reason for their invitation was the setting sun. It was dangerous to travel after dark. With this invitation, the disciples showed genuine concern for a stranger. In short, they extended loving hospitality to a stranger in need. Years ago when I was pastoring in North Carolina, our church partnered with Christian immigrants from Guatemala to begin a Spanish-speaking church in town. They began to meet in the chapel of our church building on a weekly basis and we started to have a few joint outreach events together and a few joint bilingual Sunday morning worship services. After our first bilingual joint Sunday morning worship service, a man at Wednesday night prayer meeting that week reported that there was growth happening at the service. He said a church member who had been hostile toward or looked down on certain people because of their language or their race had realized during the service that that attitude was not right, nor was it godly. Thus began the shift from hostility to strangers to hospitality to strangers. This is vital for all disciples for in welcoming strangers we welcome Jesus himself he said in Matthew 25 just as you did it to the least of these my brethren you did it to me I was a stranger and you invited me in it's important to note that Jesus had specifically taught his disciples to extend loving hospitality to strangers in need on the roadway, back in Luke 10, in the presence of the 70 disciples and others, Jesus had told the parable of the Good Samaritan. In this famous and powerful parable, a man is beaten almost to death while traveling the road from Jerusalem down to Jericho. He's left half dead in a ditch on the side of the road. A Samaritan on his own journey who was passing by noticed the man, attended to him, and provided him with care and with shelter. Jesus upholds the Samaritan as a model of neighbor love because he lavishes loving hospitality on a stranger in need. Like the parable, the Emmaus account takes place on a road leading out of Jerusalem. Like the parable, the Emmaus account involves the provisions of care and shelter for a stranger 
in need. These similarities are significant. Maybe, just maybe, it was this very parable that the two disciples remembered when they considered the well-being of the stranger traveling with them and invited him in to stay with them. At the end of the parable, Jesus had said, Go and do likewise. And on the road to Emmaus, they did. After Jesus accepts their hospitable offer, Luke fast forwards to a dinner scene where the stranger's identity is finally revealed to the disciples. Finally, during the meal, their eyes were opened and they recognized him. Not only after acquiring knowledge of the scriptures, but also after obeying the teaching of Christ, they recognize who he is. With this act of obedience, the disciples move from ignorance to awareness. With this act of obedience, the disciples move from not knowing Christ to knowing Christ. Another lesson we learn on the road to Emmaus is that knowing Jesus is obeying Jesus. The key to recognizing the risen Christ is doing what he says. You can know the Bible backwards and forwards and still not know the risen Christ. You can study, examine, and learn various things about Holy Scripture and still miss the point. Jesus asks in Luke 6, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? To know the risen Christ is to serve him as such, to obey him as such, to practice what he preaches. This message is important because many still stand on that stretch of road between lecture and obedience. Many still stand on that stretch of road between mental understanding and personal devotion. Many still stand on that road, that stretch between exposure to Scripture and embodying the teachings of Christ. Have you ever tried to learn a new game? I mean, have you ever learned how to play a game that you've never played before, maybe never even heard of before? A while back, our family went to our friend's house, and they introduced us to a new game that we had never heard of and never played. It was a game with cards, and we had to identify matching symbols on them rapidly and then shout out a correct answers as quickly as we could in this pretty large circle of people. Uh, the instructions sounded complicated as I heard them, although they were explained very well. My head was spinning after hearing rule after rule after rule, and finally they said, you know, let's just play around, and you can see how it goes. A few weeks ago, we got a new board game at our house. It has beautiful graphics and a lot of fascinating facts about birds. My wife Dana got out the instructions and she began reading them to our daughters and to me and the instructions were elaborate and very detailed. 
We put the board on the dining room table. We put the pieces on the board. We put the stacks of cards on the places they were supposed to go on the board. And Dana continued reading all of these instructions, and my brain was hurting. I mean, I think she could probably see it on my face because my brain was getting sore just trying to understand what in the world was going on. Then she said, you know what, let's try playing it. Let's try around, and we can learn as we go. So we started playing the game, and we learned as we went. And over time, our eyes were opened, and we saw how the game was meant to be. Likewise, friends, we cannot merely read an instruction book for knowing Christ and be done with it. We cannot merely study information about Jesus and think that we know him. We have to play. We have to try around and see how it goes. We have to obey Christ to see who he is. We have to do what he says to understand his lordship. We have to put his teachings into practice and then our eyes will be opened. We don't just think of Christ as Lord. We serve him as Lord. We don't just call him Lord. We obey him as Lord. We don't just hear the teachings of Christ. We embody them. We don't just read all the instructions. We play the game. Amen.